This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey man, I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, I am, I'm just pumped up, I'm thrilled for a brand new year, a brand new day. You know, the Bible tells us that His mercies are new every single morning. So if yesterday was a bad day, it's okay. Today's a new day. His mercies start all over again. They're new every single morning. And uh, really this morning, what I want to do is share some of the heart and vision for for us, for our church here in the new year, and uh, and I'm excited. This is going to be a little bit of a different angle than I usually take, but I want you to listen up and pay attention, and, and we've got, man, I'm just, I keep using this word exciting, but that's the word that best describes what's going on and how I feel, that 2020, man, it's going to be what some people call a banner year. It's going to be off the charts if we'll do things God's way, and I've determined, man, I'm done doing it my way. I'm going to do it his way because it turns out better Every single time. Amen. Well, if you need an outline for the message, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. But the title of the message today is the blessing of the upright. The blessing of the upright. Do I have any upright people in the house today? Well, most of you are sitting upright in your seats. I see a few slouchers. But other than that, watch that posture now. But overall, uh, what that means is you're a righteous person. And I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes here. But one major focus, okay, I'm just going to get right into this. One major focus of, of, of the church this year that God's put on our hearts is this, is to reach out and start making a difference in our community. Now, I want to word this properly because, uh, because there's a certain way that God will have us to do this. There are plans for some major things this year, but I really don't like using cliche phrases. I super hate using high in the sky, apple pie, uh, a terminology that's just vague and doesn't mean anything. I'm, I, I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, we're going to change the world by next Friday. That, that, that's unrealistic and stupid. Don't say that. You know, or we're praying for world peace that the whole world will join hands and sing Kumbaya. Never going to happen, man. So stop that. Quit wasting your time. That's not going to happen. Well, that sounds mean. No, let's, let's just get real here. But there is a way that God can use us to start bringing change in the region that we live in. And I'm being serious about this, that God has laid this on our heart. And when I show you the 2020 verse of the year in a few minutes, man, you better hold on to your seat because it's, 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 it's an awesome verse. It's powerful. But I remember... You know, there's two ways we can handle where it is that we live, right? I mean, I've lived in small towns. I've lived in a kind of a big city. I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 500,000 people. So it's pretty big. But at the same time, there's everywhere that I've lived, there's been people that hate it and complain about it. And then there's been people that like it. And so I'm starting to decide, man, maybe there's just some people that are haters and complainers no matter where they are in life. No matter how much money they have, no matter where they live, no matter what's going on, maybe it's not always the city. Maybe sometimes it's the negative person. Now, that's one way of thinking about it. But I know this much, that God called me to live right here in the high desert, Barstow, California. And so I want this place to be the absolute best that it can possibly be in the name of Jesus. I'm raising four kids here. I've got a church with hundreds of people that I love, and I want their lives to be absolutely incredible. So 
for me to sit here and be negative and puke all over Barstow and, 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 and constantly speak words of curse and negativity, that would be like me standing right outside of my house and saying, man, I wish this house was different. I think I'm just going to throw rocks at it. And uh, maybe if I throw rocks through my window, it'll change things. And that's basically what some people are doing. They want to bring about change, so they throw rocks at it and curse it and then wonder why it only gets worse. That's stupid. And that doesn't change anything at all. And, and so I'm getting somewhere with this because the answer to change your region, to change your family, right? Who needs your family could use just a little bit of a, you know, if they're in here, don't raise your hand. But if they're not here, feel free. We won't tell. Uh, but, but you know, there could, there could be improvement. There's room for improvement, right? And so what's the best way to do that? Do it God's way. Do it God's way. And so I'm telling you right now that the, there's a lot of awesome people that I know that are doing great things for our community that are moral and good and provide very temporary aid. That's fine. That's good. And I, they should keep on doing those. But to really change a culture, to really make a lasting impact, there's one way to do that. And that's to get the gospel of Jesus Christ into people's hearts and get people to become doers of God's word. Anything else is temporary. Because I know I know some people, I know you're not like this, but I know some people that actually think the answer to fixing poverty is to, is to give people money. Money isn't the answer to poverty. Well, if I had, no, that governments all over the world prove that all the time. They give billions of dollars away, yet they still live in poverty. We give billions of dollars away to other countries all over the world, and they're still basically the same that they were 100 years ago. Why is that? Because the only way to fix poverty, the only way to fix depression is to get the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ somewhere. You know, when I was 15, I spent like a month in St. Petersburg, Russia. And I, somebody was asking about this the other day. And I am telling you, man, the depression that is so thick in that environment, I mean, I was going down the escalator, down into the subway, and it, that subway or the escalator, it's moving fast, and you're on it for several minutes because you're going so deep into the ground. I remember just seeing thousands of faces coming up that escalator with the most sickening and depressed look. I mean, they looked like they were one step away from the cliff at any moment, and not just one, thousands. Everybody I saw was so depressed and hated their lives, so miserable. Some of them had money, some of them had possessions, but it didn't matter because the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ was banned and they weren't even allowed to talk about it. It was a bad situation. And so all these ideas, all these cute things and holding hands and singing, we are the world with Michael Jackson. That's fun. That's cute. That is not going to change things, friends. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to change things. What's going to change things is when a broken family comes into church, they submit to Jesus, he heals their marriage, he heals their children, then they go out and tell somebody about it. That brings change. Me giving a nice backpack to a kid, that's nice and I love doing it, but that doesn't always bring change and doesn't always do what I wanted it to do. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the word of God always accomplishes the goal because he promised us that his word will not return to him void it will always accomplish everything he sends it forth to do and so what i'm coming from is this is that we can be the city on a hilltop we can be an awesome thing now this sounds like some monumental goal but what i'm saying is we can start slowly 
steering the ship a little bit at a time to make where we live a better place. I do not want to sound far off and apple pie in the sky. And, and I mean, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm talking about I'm raising kids here. I want this city and this community to be a place of God where when people drive by, like, man, this is a breath of fresh air right here. This place, I just feel the peace of God. And so if you can't jump in agreement with that, just hold on to your seat. I'm going to help you out today. And if you don't want to listen to Jesus, you can just go on down the road somewhere. But we're going to serve the Lord right here in Barstow. And we are going to see change in this community. We are going to see this be a place of the love, joy, and peace of God. Amen? Let's give the Lord some praise today. Come on, man. When I first moved to Barstow in 2007, Katie and I were 21, and, uh, you know, so we, I don't know, we were, I just look back and we feel like we were such little kids, man. We were so young, and, and so we moved here, and that was well, uh, nearly 13 years ago, and we, uh, and so I remember we went down to the mall in Victorville one day, you know, we didn't even have to get a babysitter, we didn't have any kids, so it was just wild. I can't, I can't even fathom going somewhere now without getting a, you know, having to call around and get babysitters, that's like, like, that's not even within my, my mental capacity at the moment. But back then, we wanted something. We just got in the car and went and did it. And so we go to the mall, and somehow the cashier of the stores, I don't know how it came up, but she, she was like, oh, you, you just moved here? Yeah, uh, we're from, told her. And uh, so where do you live at? We told her Barstow. And I mean, this lady was like, what? Dear God, get out fast. I'm like, what are you talking and this girl just starts trashing our city. And I'm like, I've lived here a week, but ma'am, you're starting to make me pretty angry right now. Nobody forced me to go. I chose to go there. And you better just, you know, I didn't say all this, but I'm like, man, get, I just, I had to go like wash off. She puked all over me with her negativity and I don't need any of that, man. And so, you know, I, I, and that was one of my first experiences with shut up, shut up. I'm going to live here and I'm going to see the work of God do something great in my city and my community. And, and I don't care if you're in agreement or not. I'm going to it's going to happen in the name of Jesus. And, and so that that lady did that. And then throughout time, man, I've heard so many people speaking curses. Negativity. Uh, there's no education up there. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. I've got Jesus here. Oh, man, there, you know, there's no opportunity. Shut up. There is opportunity because everywhere I go, Jesus has already been. He goes before me and he follows me and he's right here with me because he said he'd never leave me or forsake me. Amen. And so we could get going on and on about this, but I want to show you the 2020 theme verse for High Desert Word Center. Who wants to hear this verse, man? <laughs> So it's Proverbs 11, 11. I'm going to look at it first of all in the King James, and then I'm going to look at it in uh, the Message Bible. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 11. Now, you know, so there, there's, a, uh, there's a famous missionary in the 1800s named David Livingston. He went from England and established an incredible life, world-changing ministry in Africa. Well, he got a letter one day from some missionaries in America that said, let us know when you get a good road paved to where you're working at right now, and then we'll come and join you. He wrote back and said, don't come, stay. I don't want people that will only come and do the work of God where there's already a road paved. I want people that will come and pave a new road where one doesn't even exist. I'm like, I, I identify with that, man. I'm not looking to just come where it's all easy and everything's perfectly set up. 
You know, that's the modern day athlete, just join whatever team's already doing great because we don't want to work hard for it ourselves. That's not me. I'm willing to start at the ground level and work my way forward and pave a road where one never even existed. And that's what we're talking about right here. You may see negative things. You may see uh, 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 things that we want to change. We all see that. But praise God, it can change if Christians will do the right thing. Proverbs 11, verse 11, it says, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Oh, man. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the of the wicked. Now, everything I'm saying, I want you to apply it to where you live, but I also want you to apply it to your own life. By the blessing of the upright, your life can be exalted, but it can also be overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Some of you are cursing your 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 own lives. Some of you have self-inflicted wounds because your words are so negative. Oh, it's killing me, man. Man, I can't, my brain dead, man. I, I, I'm so stupid, so ugly, so fat, so, so, th- quit calling yourself that. Unless you want to stay that way. But if you want to have something different, you're going to have to start changing the way you talk. Some of you are what they call hung by the tongue, man. You are absolutely in a bad spot and you're putting yourself there. Change your words. So, What I want to look at here is in the Message Bible, and this is the theme verse. This will be on your calendars as you head out today. The ushers are going to give you your your, uh, new HGWC calendar for 2020. I know you're all so excited. You've been sitting on the edge of your seats. Well, it's here. But look at this. It says, when right-living people, are there any right-living people in here today? When right-living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk. Turns it into a ghost town in no time. Like, wow, that is, that's deep right there, man. That is, that is powerful. When right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk will turn a city, will turn a town into a ghost town in no time. And that sounds, uh, your words are so powerful, you have no idea. The power that they have the good they can do, and the damage that they can cause in your life and in your surroundings. Your words are absolutely powerful. How are you going to use them? I've determined, man, I'm going to use my words to build up, not demolish. I'm done throwing rocks through my own window. I'm going to see God do some things in my life, in my family, and where I live in the name of Jesus. Can we give the Lord a little more praise this morning? Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to get into our message today. And again, apply this to your life. Apply it to where you live also. But we've made a video with some of us from the church. I got about 15 people from the congregation. We made a video the other night that I'm going to play at the end of this service. And man, it is off the charts. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And then we're going to put it on Instagram and Facebook. What are you going to do? You're going to to smash that share button, right? You're going to tell it to everybody. Am I right? Norma knows. Norma knows about that. All right. And we're going to we're going to get the word out there about how we can make a difference and actually change things instead of just putting a Band-Aid on a big, big situation. Amen. So the first thing I'm going to say is this is 
what, what's going on? How, how are we going to do something? How are we going to, how are we called to specifically do something to make where we live better? Well, the first thing I'm saying is this. Number one is that we are called to make disciples, not converts. That went over well. Uh, I'm going to say that again because <laughs> I'm looking for, okay. We're called to make disciples, not converts. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Because, and I did a whole series on this. You can go find it on the podcast and stuff. But this is one of my favorite topics I've ever studied. And when you eventually get it and it clicks, then you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. But you see, the, the, the majority of Christians, they don't, they don't realize this. Because when I say, are you a disciple of Jesus? Nearly any Christian will raise their hand and say yes. But when in all actuality, for being honest, not being mean, but most are not actually disciples. A lot of people, you know, we're cool with Jesus. We, we've, we've said a prayer. We've converted. We are a Christian. We are going to heaven someday when we die, no doubt about that. But to truthfully say that every single person that is cool with Jesus is a disciple, that would be an inaccurate statement. Because there's a, there, there's a lot of reasons for this, but I want to show you something here in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Let's flip over there. Matthew 28. We're going to look at verses 18 and 19. And here's why I'm 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 saying this because Jesus Himself said it. I've not added to this statement or subtracted from this statement. What I literally said is an exact verbatim quote from Jesus. That's why I feel pretty confident in saying it, because if Jesus said it, then I think I'm on pretty good ground for me to say it. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, and, and Jesus is giving his instructions. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said to go and make what? Disciples of all nations. Now, a disciple is somebody just to, I mean, this is a very long and deep topic, so I'm just going to say it in like two sentences. A disciple is somebody that's a legit Christ follower. Whether it's popular or not, whether if they feel like it that day or not, whether they're in the mood or not, they follow Jesus. Whether it means they sacrifice and let go of some things, they follow Jesus because they know there's a greater reward in the end. We're talking about being a true disciple, somebody that's actually really close to Jesus. And so, get this, why do, why do most Christians not make disciples out of other people? Well, one thing I can say is this, is it takes time. Making a disciple, becoming a disciple, it takes a little bit of time. And if you're like me, you like instant results, right? You, I mean, you want to start your New Year's diet, and by the fifth, you're like, you got washboard abs. You got, you're looking, you're looking real good. You've lost 50 pounds, and like, boom, that was easy. Took a pill, and it's over, baby. Come on, we want instant results. But the truth of the matter is this: most actual impactful things are not instant. They take a minute to happen, and. Becoming a disciple, making a disciple of somebody, it takes a minute. You can't say, man, talk to him last night. He came to church. Why? What's going on here? Why, why, that, why does that guy get it? You know, basically the concept that most American Christians have is this, is like, okay, we get somebody to repeat a prayer after us. They're born again. What do we have here? We've got a newborn. We've got a baby on our hands. How many of us would... We brought our newborn baby home. We laid him in the crib and said, man, we're proud of you. We are so glad 
You're here, man. You made a good choice, man. Listen, the kitchen's over there. There's the food. Help yourself. Deuces, brother. You got this. You got it. Go. How stupid would that be, man? My kids, we had to feed them. They know how to feed themselves. I don't know if yours did. None of ours know how to feed themselves. We had to do it for them. You, in fact, they didn't even understand what we were saying. And a lot of times, you know, we get new Christians in, and, and, and they, don't, they don't even know what you're talking about, but they want to be around you because you're good, you've got peace, and you've got joy, and they, they don't understand what you're saying. They don't know how to feed themselves. They, they're getting into messes all the time still. It takes a minute. You've got you to gotta have patience if you're going to make something happen here. And so one of the big reasons why we don't have more churches making disciples is that it's a process. It doesn't happen instantly. And I know that I would say that our church for years went wrong in that department. And, uh, and churches, most churches that I'm friends with and know, they don't really have any sort of discipleship making thing in process. It's you said a prayer, good for you. You just, you know, you just be here and, and read your Bible. I know you don't know how to do that, but here's a Bible. Feed yourself, okay? You got this. You can do it. You can do it. Well, really, they can't do it. We're called to make disciples. If they could do it all on their own, Jesus wouldn't have said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's what we do at High Desert Word Center. What do we do? We make disciples around here. It takes a minute, but man, the lasting fruit of somebody that's laying that foundation is huge. They can withstand the storm when it comes to them. And that's what I love to do is make disciples of people. I'm working with a young man right now that he is blooming and doing awesome. Why? Someone's taking the time to mentor and make a disciple out of him. He's reading the Bible. We're teaching him how to actually do, do that. How to, how, to, how, to, how to stand up and start having your own faith. And it's working and it's huge. And nothing makes me happier than that. It takes a minute, but it's worth it in the end. And so what's another reason that people don't really make disciples? Well, one, it takes quite a while. And another reason is because a lot of Christians themselves aren't even disciples yet. You can't make another disciple if you aren't one. And so, well, well, that's pretty rude to say. How could you say that? Well, one reason I would say that is what Jesus said in Luke 14, 27. He said, if you do not take up your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. What does that mean? Well, that means if you're not willing to make some sacrifice for Jesus, he said, you can't be my disciple. Well, I know a lot of people that like Jesus. They're fond of him. They love him, but they're not willing to sacrifice for him. So that pretty much uh, disqualifies them from being a disciple, right? Jesus said, you can't even be my disciple unless you will take up your own cross and follow me. Does that mean I need to get nailed to a cross? It doesn't mean that, but it means there's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be parts of me that are going to die. I've got to kill that pride, man. I've got to kill it and get over myself. And most people don't think they have a pride issue, but I have found out that most people have a pride issue. Even people that aren't loud, even people that aren't uh, talkative, even people that aren't boastful with their words, most people have some sort of underlying pride issue that they need to deal with. They care too much about how they look to do what Jesus tells them to do. They care too much about whatever the case is to do what Jesus tells them to do. And the root of most of our issues, if you want to be real honest, has to do with our pride. If we would kill our pride and nail it down, man, 
you would do all sorts of things for Jesus. You would really become a disciple, but a lot of people struggle with that right there. And so Jesus said, unless you take up your own cross, you can't be my disciple. That's why I'm saying that a lot of Christians don't make disciples of others because they aren't one themselves yet. But the good news is that can change. Right? That can change. Amen? I mean, Peter was a mess, and Jesus made him into a pillar. He changed his name to Peter, which means rock, because he said, man, I'm going to build my church upon you, man. Peter, you're a rock now. He didn't start that way. He was a cussing, drunken sailor, and he was mean. But Jesus changed who he was. And so what I'm here to say today is this, is that how can we possibly bring about some actual change to be disciples of Jesus and to make more disciples? Because what do disciples do? They go out and they share the gospel. They tell other people about it. They don't keep it to themselves. All right. That's my opening point. That's that's just a little tiny part of it. Now I want to get into what I really want to get into. This is the main thing that I need you to hear today. The second thing I'm saying is this is that we are called to bless this community. Somebody with me say bless this community. We're called to bless it. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now, that the word bless most of the time in Scripture has to do with our words. In the New Testament, Jesus used that word a lot. He said, you've got to bless those who curse you. Well, that word that he used in the Greek, it means speak well of those who curse you. Nobody wants to do that, but if you're a disciple, you'll kill your pride and do it anyway, right? And so... This word in the book of Proverbs, I looked it up, is a Hebrew word called Baraka. I'm going to try to say that with the Hebrew. Baraka. That's how you would say that in Hebrew, all right? I didn't cough. I was trying to sound Hebrew, but epic fail. I took the big L on that one. Sorry, guys. But at the same time, uh, but it's this Hebrew word, Baraka. And what that means is it has to do with our words. The blessing of the upright exalts a city. Right. When right living people bless the city, when right living people speak the right words over a city, it flourishes and evil talk turns it in to a ghost town in no time. And so we are called to be a blessing. We are called to bless where we live. That has to do with our words. Now, think about this. You've got if you don't understand the power of words then everything that we say today is going to fly over your head and you're probably going to keep speaking bad words over your own life and over where you live, over your job, over your children, over your money, over your health, over your country, over... You'll just keep cursing things everywhere and and wonder why things don't get better. Do you realize that words, the one reason they're powerful is God created the heavens and the earth by using words. Think about that. You know, you look at Genesis chapter 1, over and over again, and God said, let there be light. And God said this here. And God said, God kept creating things with his words. I mean, God could have done that in a lot of, he could have got power tools out. He could have just come up with some great scientific, God could have done anything he wanted to do to create the heavens and the earth. But right there, the very first chapter of the Bible, we see the power of words when God is using his words to speak things and create things with just his words. That's powerful, man. Just his words. 
And then we also see in, later on in Genesis chapter 1 that man was created in God's image. We're supposed to not only be holy like him, but we're also supposed to follow his example. My entire life's goal is to be more like Jesus. I mean, you know, that, that sounds like, you know, a weird thing. I'm, I don't know what to say. I just want to be more like Jesus. He loved people. I want to love people. He was patient. I want to be patient. I want to be like Jesus. But one thing about God the Father and, 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 and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit is they created the earth by speaking things into existence. And I'm created in his image. I'm supposed to do things like him. Now, I've got to take that in context. I'm not going to go out and create birds and trees with my words because he already did that. I don't need to do that. But I can create peace in my life by speaking the word of God and speaking peace and creating peace in my life. I can bring about absolute creation in my life of godly things by my words. And I can totally demolish and tear it down with my words. Some of you get this. Some of you don't get this. But I need you to get this. Get this for me today. That your words can build up or they can come in like a wrecking ball and demolish everything that you've already been working for everything that you're already blessed your words are key to the success of your life the success of your family and the success of our city which i want to see some things change and so luke chapter 6 let's furthermore see what jesus said luke chapter 6 luke chapter 6 so I'm challenging you, use your words to create something. Use your words. If you're not happy with your job, man, or if you're struggling at your job, start saying, man, I am blessed to have this job. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am a success in the name of Jesus. You start speaking the right words over this. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. Luke 6 verse 45 Jesus said this because sometimes people say, I mean, I'm just saying that. I don't really mean it. Really? Jesus begs to differ on that one. I know I say it all the time, but I don't really mean it. Yes, you do. Oh, yeah. That's not really in my heart. Oh, it's in your heart, brother. It's there. Because according to Jesus, Luke 6, 45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Look at this last sentence. What you say flows from what is in your heart. The King James says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Don't tell me when you're Miss Negativity all the time that, yeah, but in my heart I'm positive. No, you're not. I know, man, I go around and you know, I call people names all the time. And I, I mean, I say this about my job and my wife and my, but I don't really mean it. You do. You do. Or you wouldn't say it. I mean, Jesus opened up a key component of life to us right here that you can tell basically the status of somebody's heart by the words that they speak. You can tell what's in somebody's heart because eventually, not too long, it's going to start coming out of their mouth. I mean, I know people that are, let's say, obsessed with sports. You can't talk to them for five minutes and they start, you could have started off talking about John 316 and they'll turn it to, man, remember that game? He had 316 yards. You remember that? Speaking of 316, yeah. Uh, he had a 316 batting average. I was talking about Jesus, dude. What are you doing? 
And, you know, or somebody, you know, uh, they, they've got a boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and after a while, man, they'll start talking about it all the time, won't they? They'll annoy the rest of us. But they'll talk about that boy you know, because it's what's on their heart. Maybe somebody's got something else on their heart, money. Man, I'll tell you what. Oh, woo. Yeah, I got this going on. They talk about money all the time. But I know some people that Jesus has a hold of their heart. And any conversation, they'll eventually steer it towards Jesus. I could start out talking about football and eventually, yeah, man, that, that's good stuff. But let me tell you what Jesus did in my life this week. Listen, what is in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It flows from the heart. I mean, just picture a river right here running upwards and it's going to flow out somewhere. We have to watch the words we say over our lives, our families, and our city. That's, that's so key. We all know there's negative things, right? I mean, you know, that, that's the, yeah, sure. There are, factually, there are things that we would like to see change. There are things that we would like to be different. But us throwing rocks through our own window isn't going to fix the window. It's just going to make it worse. And so what I'm telling us is, the biggest part of steering the ship to where we're going to steer our lives, to steer our families, to steer our community and city is starting to change the words that we speak out of our mouth. That's huge. And until you get the power of words as a revelation in your heart, you may not get this. But this is the absolute first step to actually bring in some change in your life and in your heart. Let me show you what. One other thing here in James chapter 3 concerning our words. James chapter 3. Because, man, I've noticed that words are so powerful that maybe somebody spoke words to you 20 years ago and they still hurt nearly just as bad. Maybe that same person could have hit you 20 years ago. That, that doesn't hurt anymore. I mean, that pain quit. But the words are so powerful, they still hurt, right? Words have substance. Words have power. God created the heavens and the earth with them. And we, a lot of us, the situation we're in now, we are seeing the product of our words. There's been a lot of times I'm like, man, how did I get in this position? How did I get in this spot in life? Then I can look back and easily see my words put me there. Now, maybe, you know, maybe that's never happened to you. You're a lot better off than me. But listen, there's been a lot of times that I have found myself in a spot and said, you know what, I know exactly how this happened. I spoke, I created this with my words. I kept saying this was going to happen, and then it happened. Thank you for your holy silence. I mean, that's, but I hope that we're striking a chord here today. Our words mean something. James 3, 1 through 5, James said this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's a sobering thought if you want to go be a pastor or a preacher or something that, man, I get judged more strictly than everybody else. That's not fair. Well, hey, you know what? The fair's where you ride rides. We're talking about life here. Life's not always fair. Listen, he said, if you, and if you want to be a, a minister, a preacher, a teacher, that's great. And God, God's called you. But you just got to know that you're going to get judged more strictly than everybody else does. So, you know, 
food for thought. But verse 2, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. What? If we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect? We could control every other aspect of our lives? Well, look at this. Verse 3, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. It's a spark. You know what I've noticed about all the California wildfires I see? None of it stops because some helicopter flew overhead and lowered a massive bonfire into the middle of a field and just already, it's always a spark. It's one little thing. And then next thing you know, thousands of acres of damage is done. But it's never because somebody just you know, lit a bomb out there in the middle of the mountains and, whoa, a giant explosion. It's a spark. But anything that's powerful has the potential to be used for good or for evil. Think about this. Anything that's powerful, you could use water to do really good things, or you could use water to do damage to people and, and property. But overall, water is a powerful thing. I could use fire to do great things with. I could warm people. I could cook things. I could, I could do great things with fire, or I could cause destruction with fire. I could do great things with electricity. I can light up a building, I can bring heat to cold people, I can bring air conditioning to them, or I could, you know, blow them up and electrocute them and fry them. Anything that's powerful can be harnessed for good or for evil. And so right here when I see this, that it says a tiny spark just lights the whole thing on fire, that tells me, well, if it could light the whole thing on fire in a bad way, what if those words, that tiny spark, lit up my life on fire for God and it did something really, really good? It's all how I use it, right? And so our words, they are powerful. They have substance. We can make or we can tear down with them. It's all how we use them. And he says right here, you can control your entire life if you can control your mouth. That, I mean, that's, that's nearly hard to believe, but it's in the Bible, so I'm going to choose to believe it anyway. He said you can take a thousand-pound horse... And if you can get control of all four of its legs, you can make it do what you want. No. If you can get control of its back, you could really make it do what you... No. If you can get control, if you can put a little iron bit that's about this long into the horse's mouth, I can steer that thousand-pound horse anywhere I want it to go just by tugging a little this way, tugging a little that way. I can make it stop just by controlling the mouth. He says, you could steer an entire ship wherever you want it to go just by the little rudder, just this one little piece. We all see the great big above ground thing, above water thing, but if you can control this little below the surface thing, you can steer this, you know, 50-ton ship wherever you want it to go just by the littlest part. Think about your life, your mouth, your words, your tongue, little part of you, but listen, it can control everything else in your life. Harness it. Get control of it and use it to build good things in your life and not bad things and quit tearing yourself down. Amen. Can we give the Lord some amen on that? Give him some praise this morning. I mean, and so what I'm saying is this, I'm boiling it down to this. 
Step one to seeing things steered in the right direction in your life and for our city, our community, is for Christians to begin saying the right things. I'm not even going out there blasting, you know, with a megaphone on Main Street preaching. I mean, if God told me to do that, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about you controlling your own mouth in your own house when you're talking to your friends. Um, this is not rocket science. I don't have some grand plan how I can raise a billion dollars and, and give cell phones and backpacks and new shoes to everybody. That's nice. It wouldn't really make a lasting impact. That's nice. I support those things, and I support the, the dignity shelter. We give money. We, we do all sorts of things. That's nice. That's a Band-Aid. We need beneath the surface heart change to see things change where we live. And so, Proverbs 18.21, you need to know this verse. Proverbs 18.21, one of the first verses I've taught my children. Proverbs 18.21, and a, a lot of you know this already, but you've got to get this. Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of your money. Death and life are in the power of whoever's in charge of the government. Death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Well, I want to break that down into the New Living Translation, and it words it this way. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, have anybody that loves to talk? Show of hands. One, two, three, four. All right. We got a few. <laughs> there are men pointing at their wives right now. I don't know. If that's a safe or smart thing to do, but that's that's between you and them. But it says those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And I know this much. Even if you don't love to talk, you're going to reap the consequences of the words you've spoken. And so we as a church, step one, are changing the words that we say about where we live. There's other things in the works. We've got three big events planned for 2020. They're going to bless this community and bless this city. One of the biggest is next Christmas time, a drive through nativity that we're working on. It's going to be epic, off the charts, like nothing that we've ever seen around here. It's going to be incredible. But that's later on. What I'm talking about is right now we are changing the way, as a church, that we talk about our town. It's got to start with... I can't go out there and preach this to the heathen. They're not going to change the way they're talking. I know that much. I can't even get them to not cuss in front of my kids, let alone speak words of faith and victory over Barstow. They're not going to do it. We've got to start right here. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to start right here in this building, in this room, in this service right now, speaking words of faith because we're, no one else is going to do it for us. We're going to start it right here. And so... I've got a video that, that some of us have made that I want to show to you here. And, uh, and so what we've done, uh, we've written a Barstow faith confession. You know how we have the financial faith confession over the offering, right? Well, we've written a faith confession over our city. Amen. Who thinks that's a good idea, right? Sometimes people are like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to say. Well, we've written a faith confession for our city, for our home, where we're raising our kids and our grandkids and living our lives. That's why this matters. We live here. That's why it matters. 
And so we're going to close out every service with this faith confession. I've got a video to kind of pump us up. Like I said, I'm going to put this online later and you can share it and, and show it to people. But this is to kick it off and then we're going to say it together after this video. But this is some of us from this congregation speaking some words of faith. Give us plenty of volume and let's do this, guys. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded. By the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love. Joy. Joy. And peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, there we go. So, Amen. I want you to go ahead and stand up with me together today. Stand up with me. And I'm going to put these words on the screen. And I want us to say it together. And you and you may be, right now, you're like, well, I don't believe any of that. Well, just say it with us. You'll get there, okay? You'll you'll get there. But we got to start somewhere. And so we're going to say this together. And this is how we're going to close out every service for 2020. By speaking some words of faith. Because I live in that town. My kids live there. My family and my friends and my church lives there. We're going to see it change in Jesus' name. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Amen. Amen. We spoke these words of faith. And don't let it just stop right here about your city. I want you to start speaking words of faith over your life. Speak them over your family, your house, your job, your money, your health, your children, your marriage. Start speaking words of life. And if you can't do that, do like I was taught as a kid. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But listen, you're a Christian. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can start speaking some words of faith over your life and over our city. I'm going to see a change by this time next year. Not the full change, but steps in the right direction. And over the course of time, this is going to be an entirely different city, an entirely different community. And it's going to shock people. And we'll say, we know why, man. We know why. I didn't have to move out of there. I had to stay there to see the work of God and see what Jesus did. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand of praise today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.